300 feet, which means we're in small arms range or rifle, or but even a handgun could shoot us down because the oil cooler, believe it or not, is on the underside of the aircraft. Oh. So if that gets shot, oil leaks out, you're down within two and a half minutes. Wow. So we're far enough away where we're not in contact with home base, we're not in contact with the friendlies that we're looking for yet. Um, there are burning tanks, vehicles, and I was in the lead aircraft and I remember saying three, two, one, we're in Iraq. Podcasting from Wealthwave Studios in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Leadership Now, the official vision and strategy podcast of Wealthwave. Our guest today is Vernice Armour. I've known Vernice for, wow, lots and lots of years. Yep, it's you been know. a minute. Um, yeah, it's been a minute or two. <laughs> and uh, if you don't know Vernice, she, you may have seen her on television. She's been on all kinds of TV shows. She's a, a top professional speaker, one of the most successful in the business in the U.S. And uh, she was the first female African-American combat pilot. Did I get that right? You did. Because I used to you say did. fighter pilot when we first right, met. You always right. convicted like, and said, no, it's combat yet, pilot. So right. Attack helicopters. Yeah. Airwolf, I'm dating myself. I'm totally dating myself. <laughs> and she was, a, she was a police officer, a motorcycle cop in Tennessee. Yep, right, way back then. You're Nashville. a tough chick. You know, I try. I try. <laughs> Welcome to the show. And a Marine. It's good Come to on. see you. Yeah. Marine, try. And a Marine, right? Yeah. So, uh, so we thought we'd have Bernice on. I've been trying to get her for a while, but she's very busy, of course, running her business. And, uh, and so we're going to talk a little bit about leadership and about what you've been up to. Absolutely. And, uh, and how, uh, how our financial educators and advisors can benefit from all your experience and, and wisdom. So thanks for coming Absolutely. to the show. Buy Bitcoin, that's all I say. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, no. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, tell us a little bit more about, well, let me ask you this yeah. first, just to, just to clarify, for point of clarification. What's the difference? I always wanted to ask you this, and I just yeah. never thought about doing it. I never remembered when I see when I see him. What's the difference between a combat pilot and a fighter pilot? Gotcha. So fighters are actually jets. So F4s, F5s, F18s. Okay. But actual jets. Now you can be a Tom Cruise. That's right. Not Tom Cruise, but that, Tom Cruise. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and you can be a combat fighter pilot. Okay. Right. But I flew attack helicopters, so they're not fighters. Okay. I didn't know there were helicopters. I didn't know that. What? Okay. I just maybe I forgot. I guess I you didn't know there were attack years helicopters. Ago I knew that or no, I didn't know you flew. Oh, attack right. Because you thought I was a fighter pilot. No, I knew you because you always corrected me a back combat. in the day. Right, combat, right, right, it, right. So that's why because it's a helicopter, Correct. not a not and it's a jet. not a fighter. That's right. It's it's like if you called my uh, truck a NASCAR. They're both vehicles. Right. But. It's not Formula One. But you're still shooting out of a helicopter. And I still shoot out of my truck, yeah. So, no. <laughs> it's like Ford, Raptor, Velociraptor, 600 horsepower. We're going to cut that out. Right. <laughs> yeah. No shooting out of trucks. No we don't want to recommend that no for anyone in the audience. No, 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 disclaimer, do not do that. Wow. No, um, what yeah, you so do it has that? a 20-millimeter ga- 20 20 Gatling gun on the front, rockets, missiles, wow. fire. Yeah. And where was that. your first combat experience? Uh, the battle, well, actually <clears throat> invading Iraq. My squadron was the first um, attack helicopter squadron in theater. We were the wow. first ones, boots on the ground, February 12th, 2003. Wow, that had to be terrifying. You know, that wasn't the scary part. That, I mean, believe it or not, that was the exciting part. Like, you trained for that your whole career. But now people are shooting And you get you. there. I mean, well, that was the scary part. Yeah. So landing there, I was like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, right. And you're flying over, you're like, Crap. So my very first mission, we're 300 feet off the ground. There's a layer of black smoke. It's whatever, 10, 12 o'clock at night. I can't remember the exact time. 
Uh, but you couldn't see the moon, the stars, or anything because there's a thick layer of black smoke, 300 feet, which means we're in small arms range or rifle, or what, but even a handgun could shoot us down because the oil cooler, believe it or not, is on the underside of the aircraft. Oh. So if that gets shot, oil leaks out, you're down within two and a half minutes. Wow. So we're far enough away where we're not in contact with home base. We're not in contact with the friendlies that we're looking for yet. Um, there are burning tanks, vehicles, and I was in the lead aircraft, and I remember saying, three, two, one, we're in Iraq. And it was silent just like that. You could hear a pin drop. Wow. And I remember feeling my body like mesh back into the armor of my seat, the only armor there was on the aircraft. Um, because if we got shot down in that moment, as we're flying further and further into enemy territory, not in contact with anyone, no one would know we're shot down. Right. No one would know where we were until, you know, who knows when. Yeah, right. And I could just feel the fear of, I'm not shooting at tires and cardboard anymore. Yeah, right. Somebody is actually trying to take me out of the sky. Right. And you could feel it kind of like starting to explode out. And what brings me back? People always ask, what brings me back from that fear moment? And it's, you hear, it sounds so trite sometimes, but the why, the purpose, the mission, the reason I'm there, to save the lives of the Marines and soldiers on the ground, right? So it, you get back into muscle memory and all the hundreds of hours of training. So you're very just focused quickly. on that. You're not thinking about the fear because you don't really, you don't have time to do it, right? Absolutely. Just like the football player in the Super Bowl, they might be a little nervous when they get out there on the field the first time, but then, you know, you're in the huddle, you get out there, you see the hole, you're running through. You're in it. You're, yeah, you're, you're in the in middle it, of it. Right. Yeah, so right. fear, bring it back, focus it like a finely tuned laser, burn through steel, burn through the obstacle. If I were to say it in relevant terms for, you know, all the folks here on the battlefield of life. How do you focus that fear, finely tune laser, and burn right through it? What was the closest moment you had that was the most frightening during the war? Oof. Uh, I remember that. It was one of our convoys got ambushed. People were everywhere, and we saw these mists of smoke. We are like, what is that? Turns out it was RPGs that were exploding right at our air. level. You're in the air. We're in the air, okay. 200, 150, 200 feet off the ground, supporting the troops. Enemies running everywhere. Then all of a sudden, my weapon system starts going crazy. So we immediately go into emergency procedures. We're resetting everything, circuit breakers. Nothing is working. Nothing is, the compass is just going around and around and around. And if your compass is going around, you can't target in on anything because it's going around and around and around, right? right? And at a certain point, I said, okay, sir, because I was a co-pilot in that moment, how long are we going to stay out here? We're sitting ducks. But we had a couple of missiles left on our aircraft. The other aircraft still had their, missions, um, their mission control system. So they used their laser, our missile honed in on their laser and fired the targets. Then we, we headed back to base. Oh, and I forgot. We were a, a division of four, but one of the other helicopters got hit. So they had to fly back with smoke coming out. And, you know, we were wondering, okay, did they make it? Right. Uh, and when we got back, we did the, the debriefing, you know, the checking out the aircraft after we land. There were three bullet holes, one through the tail rotor. In your... And aircraft. my aircraft, Oof. right. Wow. And it went right through the tail rotor, right through the middle. And you've seen that, um, you know, when you stand on a Coke can and it can take all your weight, but if you ding the side of it, it crumples. Sure. The, the tail rotor is the same way. Mm. The reason I'm still here today talking to you is because the bullet went right through the middle. Wow. Had it been millimeters to the left or right, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. And another round had gone through all the wiring of the weapon system. Wow. So no amount of resetting any circuit breakers would have ever worked. Jeez, how long were you there? 
uh, eight months the first time, nine months the second time. Oh, yeah, so you come back and then you have to deploy again. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Did you did you want to go back or no? No. No. No, but not. No. no. It's, no. It's the first time we safe, came back, you know? you know, everybody was ready to come back. And yeah. uh, that's when Donald Rumsfeld was like, all the troops, you know, everybody's coming home. And, you know, that was that was September of 03. And we started ramp-ups almost as soon as we got back to the States to go back. And on July 4th, I remember half my squadron was already in Iraq at mm -hmm. that point, redeployed. We couldn't believe we were back because um, we had pulled out, you know, so abruptly. And here we were flooding back in again. It's like, okay, what are we doing? What's the mission? How do we? So I think for about 30 days, I was flying over all the same terrain again, just remembering the previous deployment. I was like, okay, I can't believe we're back here again. Yeah, right. So, wow. And, and now, at that point, two or three deployments was a lot. Now you've had people, 15, 16, 17 deployments is not uncommon. Jeez, wow. The longest war in American history. Hmm. What, what did it teach you about leadership, Fernice, in terms of leading a team and combat situations? Just gonna say that the, it's about the leading the team and communication. So if I were to make it relevant to, to, to the, today's terms, it's flight planning or mission planning was everything, right? Now, as soon as we got out there, the plan immediately changed because the enemy had shifted, the, the terrain had shifted, the situation shifted, our capabilities shifted, right? But it was the framework, right? Go from where we are to where we want to be, flex it out, flex it out, get back on course and accomplish the mission anyway. It was the framework. Uh, and inside of the plan, we had the communication, the teamwork, the resilience, the, the this, the, you know, all of that that came together. When uh, we would go out, there were two pilots in that aircraft, but all the Marines were on that mission. Because when we got back and we played that videotape, and it's like the guy who put the fuel in my helicopter, or I should say the Marine, man or woman, uh, that put the fuel in the helicopter, that put the missile on the side, that made sure the transmission, the rotor, and the this, and the, everybody, just like the pit crew, right, in that NASCAR race, everybody is a part of that mission and the success and bringing, you know, the men and women home. And someone's got to lead that team, right? Someone's got to lead and... Absolutely. Now... We all know every Marine is a leader, right? <laughs> <laughs> right sure. Who didn't see Saving Private Ryan, right? <laughs> like one person drops, the other one takes over, right? And that right. was the Army, by the way. But um, you know what I'm saying. So, yeah, leadership is huge. And, you know, we hear it all the time in corporate America. Oh, everyone's a leader. It doesn't matter about your title. And it's absolutely true. You know, how are you leading in your team? How are you following in your team? How are you part of that team where when we come to you, you will know crap, get it done. Why? Because we're depending on you. Period in the story. Did you feel the pressure of being the first female African-American combat pilot? What was that like? I mean, do you, did you feel the weight of that with so many people that have sort of paved the way and now here you are the first one and now everyone's watching you? What did that feel like? After I got there, yes. Well, I didn't even know before I got there. It was crazy because the Oprah show called me up and I hear Oprah's voice. She's like, hey, Bernice, how does it feel about I'm like, oh my God. I right? remember you on Oprah. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. So that's how I found out in the very beginning, right? And then it was verified by DOD. That you were everything. the first one. Right. Oh, you didn't know it before. I didn't know. Now, okay. I was the first black female pilot in the Marine Corps okay. at that time. Wow. But I had never been to combat. So okay. I didn't become oh, right. America's first combat pilot uh, right. until, and the didn't reason, yeah. right, right. 
because women weren't allowed to be in combat before then. Okay. So that changed, that law changed in 93. Then the first female in the Marine Corps to become a pilot was 95. But um, the responsibility, you know, I actually had a, a tremendous failure while I was out in Iraq uh, because training suspended for a little while. Then things slowed down. You know, remember when uh, Bush was on the carrier and said, you know, the mission is accomplished and, right. you know, things really boiled back. And our lead tactics instructor said, all right, things have slowed down. Got to get back to training. We're going to have a tactics test. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Tactics test? I haven't been studying and flying combat missions. It's like, you never know everything about the aircraft or combat. You should always be studying. Hmm. True. So uh, I, grabbed, I grabbed my tactical manual, safety manual, all these other manuals, because he said armor. I, I said, well, I'm going up on a combat mission. I'm not even going to be here. He's like, we're taking the test when you get back. So I got all my stuff, piled it in the aircraft, uh, flew up into Iraq for four days, came back down uh, after doing what I called studying, right, yeah. for four days. While you're in combat. Uh, well... Or while you're in a combat zone. Absolutely. Say, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were on call. <laughs> you're and, studying. You know, right, that's, right. That's a trying weird. to, anyway. Yeah. Trying to. Right? It was. Yeah, that's a little strange. And uh, 15 minutes later, into that test, you know, PowerPoint's on the wall, slide, 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 tactic questions. I knew I wasn't doing so hot. You know, it's like trying to close that sale, talking to that account. Yeah. You just think, All at once. this is not going well. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Had a few We've all had that feeling, right? Exactly, oh. exactly, exactly. And, um, you know, next day confirmed. I had yeah. bombed. And I was devastated. Why? Because I knew everyone was watching. How are women going to perform in combat? How are women going to get along with the guys? How are women going to handle the stress? How are women going to fly the attack helicopter? And I felt like I'd let... Women down, black folks down, the Marine Corps down, my family down. Well, you were kind of busy in combat, weren't you? Right. Like, when are you supposed to right. study? Well, not shooting at you? But still, I mean, all, everybody didn't fail the test. Yeah. Right? There were 21 uh, first-year pilots, of which I was one. And I was the senior. I was the first one to get to the squadron. So more was expected of me there as well. Now, what I... What You're the I, only female at this point. Yes. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So that's got to be really pretty daunting. Yeah, it was deep. Yeah. Did they give you a hard time? Um, well, it depends on who the guy was. You know, yeah, okay. Some guys were cool, some weren't. Um, were they accepting of it, or was it sort um, of good old boys club? I mean, come on. I mean, of course it was the good old boys club. Yeah, sure. Now, this is what I say when people say, oh, did you suffer from racism, discrimination? And all? Right. It's like everybody has challenges and obstacles. You know, even the average white guy. Right. <laughs> has sure. challenges and obstacles, sure. right? Right. Do you have any? Never challenge? been discriminated Never. against, though. I don't no, think that no, I ever no. noticed. Right, right. Because right, we, get, we right. get a break on that. But um, everyone has challenges and obstacles. How we navigate those challenges and obstacles. Now, sure. when it comes to discrimination or racism, um, I was walking down the hall. It was morning time. I said, hey to Joe. Joe looked me in the eyes just like you're looking at me now. And he kept walking. I'm like, geez, what's... Now, I could quickly jump to the, you know, assumptions of... Well, but the truth is, you know, number one, everybody has tension. I mean, how long have you been married? 37 years. You ever had an argument? Uh, no, never an right. argument. <laughs> ever wake up a in the morning? A total fist fight. Right. You know, a wrestling match, never an argument. Oh, it's like you can wake up in the morning and say, hey, honey, whoa. I mean, I mean, you yeah. wake up on the wrong side of the bed, right? Course, so yeah. it's like every, if it happens with the people we love, it's going to happen sure. with the people we don't. Right. So I didn't know why Joe was like that in that moment. It could have been because I had short hair, because I didn't like my motorcycle, my corny jokes. I could bench press more than him. <laughs> <laughs> or that I was black, gay, or a woman. 
Right, yeah. The you just covered all the minorities. I know, talk about intersectionality. Minorities. Like, One minority's not enough for you, but right, you I mean, mom, I mean, <laughs> what else do you want me to throw in there? But um, the moment I took my focus off of why I was there. Okay. Lives were at stake. Okay. All because Joe didn't say hello. So you didn't feel sorry for yourself? I did. But as my mom said, you know, you didn't work this hard this long to give up now. Stop crying, dry your eyes, and go back to work. So how did you get yourself out of that? You just told yourself that? or No, my mom told me to stop crying, dry your eyes. Because <laughs> literally, one morning, I was like at my breaking point. I grabbed my keys. I drove to the beach, which was five minutes away. I was based at Pendleton. And uh, I called my mom, and I said, I am done. I am ready to just rip these wings off, throw them on the ground, and walk away. And that's what she said. Stop crying, dry your eyes. You did not work this hard this long right. to give up now. And my lesson in that is sometimes, there are times, probably many times, we need the support of our network, the people outside of us. I mean, when you look at Wealthwave and um, you know all the, the financial things we're doing here, and the network, the information, the knowledge that we're supporting our folks, nobody's out here doing it solo. Sure. We all need the team in the community. Sure. I think sometimes, you know, we hear people where they'll say, well, and of course we've all done it as entrepreneurs, where you kind of feel sorry for yourself. You lose a client or one of your teammates yeah. uh, it doesn't do something or quits or yeah. you got to charge back, you know, where yeah. it costs you money. And, uh, and you start to feel sorry for yourself. Yep. And I, I, can't, I can't even imagine being a black female, the first black female Marine with a bunch of, you know, Marines. Right. Trying to get through that process and what yeah. and what was going on in your mind through that whole process. Yeah, you must be one tough cookie. I entered it with a little bit of naivete, right? I had three brothers growing up. I played the trombone. I got an ROTC when I was in college. I became a police officer. Right. First woman of color to ride motorcycles on the department. You know, the all the guys were like my big brother. And when I, my dad was a Marine, my grandfather was a Mumford Point Marine, okay. right? World War II, 1942. So I was like, you know, this is just... It's the boys club, but and I never wanted to be one of the guys, but I absolutely wanted to be part of the team, mm. right? And there's a distinction there. Um, and that goes to what we hear a lot now about belonging. And when we look at even women in the financial industry, when you look at the senior, senior leaders, there's, it's still mostly men. Right. And it's not mm. because women don't know how to do it. Right. You know, so. It's owned by old white guys, the financial industry. It has been for 150 years, you know? Since the beginning. Well, that, that's what I wanted to ask you. Why? You said you wanted to be part of You didn't want to be one of them, but you wanted right. to be part of it. Why? Why did you want to be part of a group that mo more than likely would probably at least give you a hard time, if not all out reject you? So my dad- Just to prove it, or? Did not want me to go into the Marine Corps. He said, baby, uh, and he's three tours Vietnam, by the way, right? He said, I don't want you to go in because I saw how women were treated. And I said, well, dad, if I don't, who will? And I really believed that, right? And at that point, I'd been, you know, the first on the motorcycle, the first on the Tempe Police Department. Um, so going, and, and then I had three brothers who played football. My dad played for the Colts when they were back in Baltimore. I mean, uh -huh. I, was, I was born into the boys club, right? It's right. like, no, I can do this. No sisters. No sisters. No sisters, Right, okay. right, no sisters. And it's, it probably, it absolutely worked to my advantage that I believed I could. Like when we look at all the teachings of Bob, right, Bob Proctor, and, and the, the stuff above the line and below the line and how all of that stuff works, just the belief and the knowing that you can, 
even if everybody else thought it was impossible and they knew you couldn't, but because you believed you can, and then you broke through this barrier with the dude running the four-minute mile. Same thing, right? Sure. Then after that, everybody started breaking the form. Benjamin Banneker, right? Isn't that his name? Roger. Yeah. Roger, Roger. Uh, Bannister. 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 Close. Man, cut that yeah. part out, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Long time ago. You know who I'm talking yeah, about, that's right? right? Yeah, right. But he broke a psychological barrier, right? Right. So I still had this like protective layer of, I can do this. What do you say to people? There are a lot of people. It's an entrepreneur kind of, you know, entrepreneur kind of aerial, entrepreneurial kind of business, you know, mm-hmm. um, where people are out educating people. They're helping people with their finances, and and a lot of times people get discouraged, like in anything else, and they feel like they can't do it, or they're not qualified, or they're not smart mm-hmm. enough. Maybe they took a couple times to pass their exam, and they feel funny about that. What do you say to those people that have that self doubt? That's a good one. So it's it's the secret of. Well, I won't even say what the secret is. There are only two ways to succeed. Period. End of story. Do you agree with me? I'm putting you on the spot. Two ways to succeed? Two ways. To, there are only two ways to succeed. That's it. Do you agree, yes or no? Depends what you say. No. <laughs> I'm not sure what the two are. I don't get, you're no, sucking no, me no, in. Right, I know right, what right, you're right. doing. I usually say, you know, people I've say, yes, I agree. And then I was like, who doesn't agree? They raise their hand. I was like, okay, that was like one third of the people. Yeah, yeah. Who's just waiting to see what I'm going to say, right? Everybody raises their hand, they laugh. So, yeah, yeah. There are only two ways to succeed the first time or again. Or again, or again, or again, or again. However many agains uh, yeah. it takes, right? So, it's the secret right. of the reattack. So how do you get yourself, if you fail the first time or multiple times, how do you get yourself to keep going, especially for not just women, but really anyone Absolutely. where they have, you know, when they have friends and family that say, oh, mm-hmm. you can't do this. You should keep your job. You're an engineer. You're a doctor. You're a accountant. You know, you, what is this thing you're doing, this financial thing? And everyone's, right. getting, maybe even their spouse right. is giving them a hard time. You're not making any money. You said you were going to make money. Because, you know, like any business, you're a right. business person. It always takes longer, right, as an entrepreneur, to make money, to learn the business, it takes longer, it's tougher, tougher than you thought it was going to be. The clients are tougher. How do I just pick one story or one experience? Yeah. Because like, yeah. that's the crux of it. Number one. But what you went through is so, to me, is so extreme yeah. as someone on the other side that's been in the majority his whole life, where a lot of people watching this are, are you know, old white guys like me. Absolutely. And, they, and we've been in the majority. You're we not old. We never, <laughs> we never, but we never live that side right. of it. You know what I mean? Right. And then, and not only do you have, you're born with that, which obviously, mm-hmm. you know, none of us were born the way we were born, but then also you walk right from the frying pan into the fire by going, I'm going to be a Marine. <laughs> no, crazy, so, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's about as badass as it gets. So how do you, how would you encourage people or recommend that people get through that you got to arm yourself with the number one the belief in the knowing that you can like do you have the potential do you have the capability to learn whatever it is you need to learn where does that belief come from though oh my god okay so i gotta mention bob again he actually asked me that question he was like well vernice why'd you do this and i gave him a reason he said well why'd you do that and i gave him a reason. And he said well why why did you have the initiative to do that and i'm thinking you talking about bob proctor yeah okay and i said I don't know. And I've thought, and that was 11 years ago to this day. We were backstage talking, and uh, I just asked him, you know, what advice would he give uh, a new speaker, uh, someone like me? And he starts asking me all these questions, and to this day I'm still asking myself some of those questions, right? Uh, Where did that drive, that desire come from? And uh, I heard David Nagel talk about desire. Duh of sire the father or the universe source, right? 
And are you really going to be given anything that you desire, like that you truly desire that you, that you can't achieve? And it's up to us, again, to believe into it that we can. Where does it come from? I don't know. But I do know, this is what I do believe for sure, is that some of us are awake and it's up to us to wake up the folks that are asleep. And again, when you look at what we're doing and the financial industry, women in leadership, there's an awakening happening. And yeah, we can get tired and say, oh, I'm tired of waking people up. Or we can, like COVID happened, right? <laughs> That's the thing, COVID happened. And yeah. I'm sitting on my deck and I watched all my keynotes disappear as far as the eye could all see. All your speeches. Right, all my, all my speeches. And I thought, you know, we'd be done for two months and in the fall everything right. would come back. Right. And everything was gone. I was like, okay. And I wasn't doing anything digital yet, right? right? For years I'd been saying, let me do my digital stuff. I'd never sure. done it. So I said, okay, first I got I to gotta stop. I have to reassess. Then I said, I have to reimagine. And reassess looked like, where, I, where am I and what do I want? So I took my journal, walked around the lake, um, wrote down new goals, tangible, intangible. Like, what do I really, how do I want that fulfilling life? I gave myself Fridays off for the rest of my life as far out as the Google calendar goes. Who knows how far that is, right? <laughs> but it's, it's on there. Friday's off every day. Right. Um, <laughs> Friday's off every day. I like that. And so that's, that was the reassess. Then I had to reimagine, right? How do I want to create my business? And it started with the Fridays off. Then I had to reinvent, right? Create the plan. Right. And I had... My last one was re-engage or re-attack. And I was like, God, but that's only four humans. We like fives. What's another one? <laughs> yeah. And it's reinvigorate. And you're, you're talking about it right now. When you feel beat down, when you feel tired and, and crap is happening, your plan is destroyed, how do you get the tenacity, the grit, the gumption, the oomph, you know, to go back? And part of it also, Steve, is the gutsy move. In your gut so I'm wearing this T-shirt. That's kind you know, of your thing. People, Get right, gutsy, right? right? Absolutely. And yeah. your gut, That's one of your you know, it's right. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. And it, it, and it's, I, for me, I think it feels like what a brand is supposed to be. It comes from who you are, not some fabricated stuff, right? But in your gut, you know, it's right. It takes guts to do it, but you got to take action. If you don't take right. action, if you don't make the calls, if you don't get the meetings, if you don't meet with the clients, if you don't get the resources, if you don't take action. What do you have? Well, let's go back to what, oh yeah, there's no question about that. You, so you get out of the military and then you decide you're gonna be a professional speaker. Where did you come <laughs> up with that? So I was at this conference and I was walking around and I, so after I got in the um, military and I had the historical accomplishments and you know, some schools were asking me to speak and sure. a couple organizations and I remember Booz Allen flew me down to Atlanta. They said, we don't have a budget, but we'll fly you down first class and put you up in the Ritz. I've heard I that said, a few Sold! times. <laughs> <heard> <laughs> right. We don't have any money. You're thinking Booz Allen has no money? Right. Seriously? I didn't know. I was yeah, no, they're broke. Yeah. Like, what? That's You're a... going to feed me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you take it, of course, right? Yeah, sure. We've right, all done that. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I flew down and I was like, man, this is Good really Good luck getting cool. you today with that one. Uh, yeah. Somebody said just, uh, just no. yesterday, this would be great brand exposure. Said, <laughs> Think of the exposure. Oprah is great exposure. <laughs> yeah, CNN is great exposure, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the View is great exposure. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, not an internal Bible study class. Yeah, okay, yeah. but I digress. Uh, <laughs> what am I supposed to be talking about? Well, just um, how you, do, I just, I never asked you oh, how. Oh, why did I become you go, a professional yeah, for, speaker? Because you start getting engagements Well, I was doing kind. that, and I said, okay. yeah, this would be great. Uh, if it ever, well, if it ever blew up, I'd do it full time. And how did I even know about doing it full time? Well, I was 
now at Headquarters Marine Corps going around to all these conferences and I'd been speaking, you know, at some of these little things and for a Marine unit and everything. And I saw a person walk and mind you, I was a cop. I'd never been to any conferences. Right. I was a Marine. <clears throat> I'd never been to any conferences. I'm a, a warrior, a trigger. I, like I'm out there in the street. Right. And you in never both had a cases. business before. I never you had never a business. I right. was just like out there. Right. Right. Doing what millions and millions and millions of people do every day. Right. They go to work. Right. So at this point, I'm at Headquarters Marine Corps. I'm a diversity liaison over 220,000 personnel organization, you know, on a committee at the Pentagon. We're doing diversity for everything. And I go to this conference, and this person is speaking on stage. And I said, whoa, wait a minute. You mean, you mean they get paid for that? <laughs> what? <laughs> New dream was born. Yeah, 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 okay. Exactly. How much? What? <laughs> right, right. And I said, okay, if, uh, if it ever blows up, I'll do it full time. But whatever, what blows up if you don't put your yeah, blood, right. sweat, and Nothing tears in it? Up. Right, yeah, exactly, right, exactly. Yeah. No action, no, no, right. no result. So I end up facilitating a table. We needed a table captain. I had on my captain's uniform. Everybody thought it was cute. Like, oh, you're our captain. I was like, right. oh, okay. So a couple hours later, I'm walking down the hall, and a couple ladies run into me, and they say, oh, my God, we're so inspired. We're all going for our plan A. And I said, that's great. And in my head, I was thinking, Okay, wait a minute. I just I just inspired them to go for their plan A. Right. And I'm not even going for mine. And in that moment, I said, I'm going for it. Because I was waiting for my sign. Like, when am I getting out? When am I getting out? When am I transitioning? FBI agent, DEA. I could be a spy. I always thought that was cool. I love law enforcement. And federal law enforcement was, would have been the next level, right? Sure. Um, but when those ladies said that, I was like, wow. And I went around the whole rest of the conference telling everybody I was getting out, all the Marine Corps generals, everybody, I do not recommend that exit strategy <laughs> for everyone, right? But, and people were like, oh, well, we'd love to bring you in. We'd love to bring you in. So I go back. I put in my papers. Um, my colonel sits me down and says, don't you know motivational speakers aren't even happy when they're not on stage? Because <laughs> at that point. I've never heard that before. Right? I, I hadn't either. Oh. And to this day, I've never okay. heard it again. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it just goes to show you what people will do to talk you out of your Exactly. You know, when say, you yeah. go back to yeah. the, you know, a couple questions Same ago thing when you asked me. people do with all the time. Yeah. People Absolutely. try to talk them out of it all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. But what's for you is for you. Right. And just because somebody else can't do it doesn't mean you can't. Right. Right? Sure. So you, again, it goes back to the belief in self. And do you feel you have what it takes to accomplish it? And you don't have to know everything. I didn't know how to be a combat pilot before I became a combat pilot. I didn't know how to be a cop. I didn't know how to be a pilot until I chose to do it and went and figured it out and got the learning, got the training, got the coaching, got the leadership right. on how to do it, right? So um, I came back, turned in my papers. Um, Les Brown ended up inviting me down to one of his speaker trainings. It was awesome. Then I joined NSA. Um, that's where National Speakers right. Association absolutely had some gigs right out the gate, six keynotes in July, then a couple in August. I'm like, yeah, this is great. I'm killing it. One in September, then ghost, nothing. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, and I'm a month behind in the house note. I have a partner. Oh, yeah. We have a son. My mom was living with me. So this was yeah. not some young single person just going for it, right? right. Like, no, I had real responsibility. And it was that gutsy move where I was like, I'm going for it. So uh, I But ended you didn't up, take long. You came out of like a rocket. Or it sure seemed like it to me. Well, at the time when I was four months behind in the house note, let's see, July, August, September, October, that's four months in. I didn't do the speech workshop until February mm. of that next year. Go which was an that's right, right, which was another catapult moment, right? So I call them those catapult moments. So 
I'm in my house. I'm pacing back and forth. I'm in my bathrobe, 10 o'clock on a Wednesday morning. That gives you a clue. I'm sure. still in my bathrobe. Right. And I'm like, crap, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I just finished reading the book Blink mm -hmm. by Malcolm Gladwell. Okay, I was book. like, yeah. oh. He said, just the mere act of smiling changes the physiology in your body. Sure. Right? So yeah. I was like, all right, I got to smile. <laughs> It wasn't exactly a smile, right? And then the Marine and the cop and me says, all right, you got to follow it up with action. You got to do something. Now, you had been on Oprah before yes. this or after this? I was on Oprah in 03 twice. Twice? I, that's what yes. I, I, yeah. So this is after Oprah? This is, well, this is 07 okay. now, okay. four years later. Okay, because I thought Oprah later. may have launched you a little bit with the speaking, but no, she did. No, so okay. that's a whole nother thing. Okay. You can get on the news and all that kind of stuff. Right. That moment is that moment. It's a flash that's in right. the pan. Absolutely. But if you leverage it. Right. Afterwards, right, right, with the video, the recordings, and how you market. Sure. And I kept saying, "Oh, I don't know how to market. I don't know how to market." And I, I said it one too many times. So I put myself through a 90-day marketing course. I said I was going to eat, breathe, live marketing for 90 days. And do you think I was an expert at marketing after that? No. Hell no. <laughs> no. But I knew yeah. a whole lot more about marketing. Sure. Right. So it's those incremental steps, and sometimes those quantum leaps. Yes. But you went that, from that zero to six there. figures, and then seven figures, pretty fast. Is so, that back before yeah. you, I was one of the faster ones so that ever So um, Okay, so that's then, what I'm going to tell you. I think you beat me. I think you were faster what? than I was. Hey, you know, you know I was I'm competitive. About, you know I'm competitive. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you beat me. You seem to go way faster so, from zero to seven. There was a moment. Know? There was a moment. So after I got out, and I'm behind in that house note, I'm pacing. Then I do the follow-up, and I call this guy, Larry, and uh, he's like, well, how you doing? I was like, ah, things are really tough right now. I'm behind the house now. I don't have any gigs. And, but there's this conference, and I went to it last year, and I know if I just go this year, I could connect with some of those relationships and even create some new ones. Now that I have everything in order, I got my business, da 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 I was like, but it's in Atlanta, I live in D.C., I drive a, it's too late to buy an airline ticket, I'm a month behind in the house note, I drive a Dodge Ram crew cab, 4x4, dual exhaust. <laughs> that thing drinks a lot of gas, yeah, right? right yeah. And where am I going to eat? I mean, what am I going to eat? Where am I going to sleep, let alone $2,000 for conference yeah, registration sure. to a corporate conference, right? Right, right. So he's like, well, hey, um, my friend is having an event on Thursday night in Raleigh-Durham that's halfway point. Get here, you could spend the night and head down to Atlanta the next day. You'll be fresh and ready to go. Wow. In the gut. Game change, right? Right, game changer. I was, I was like, There's people always willing to help you if, you, if you're willing right. to help. You know? Yeah. But at first, I'm like, well, I can't go. Where am I going to sleep? What am right. I going to eat? Well, sure. I'm like, guts, and that voice, it's the one you can't shake. It wakes you up in the middle of the night, right? Or it doesn't let you go to sleep. So I said, okay, I, I'm going. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going. Right. And You just have to show up, right? You just have to keep showing up. Yeah. I got there on Friday morning. I said, okay, I'm here looking around, knowing I don't have a registration at that huge registration 2000 event. Bucks. Right, yeah. right. And there are probably 2,500 people at this conference. Right. And one of the conference organizers sees me and he said, oh, Captain Armour, how you doing? We didn't know you were coming. I'm thinking, neither did I. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, hey, look, we had a speaker fall out. Do you mind filling in? And don't worry. We got your hotel and your registration. Oh, nice. And it was one of the conferences where they feed you. Oh, nice. So you're good. And I didn't All have a roommate. Cross. I have my own hotel room. Nice. What? Nice. So, it, oh, God. It's like the universe is just saying, just show up. Just keep showing just up, show right? Up. Yeah. Right. So 30 days from that conference, I had business checks, deposits wow. in wow. my business checking account. Right, right. <laughs> right? And within eight months of that, 12 months total, my business made 136000 that year. Wow. First year. First year. Oh, yeah, that's fast. Yeah. And then within four years, and broke seven figures. And that's very tough business. 
Right. And I didn't. And 08. Oh, what was happening in 08? Yeah, right. Everything was crashing. It was the rest. Right. You on a business every you day. You and Don were talking about how hard it was. And yeah. I was like, man, if this is hard, it's going to be amazing when it well, gets half good. Half the business went out of business. It you did. Know, in those next three years, as you know. Yeah. And COVID was no different. Yeah, that's the, right. A lot yeah. of people did not survive COVID. Yeah, right. right. So it just goes to um, not saying that people, some people didn't have their stuff together, but there were still some businesses that didn't even have a website. Yeah. Right. right? So when we look at digital transformation and how are you willing to evolve and transform and, and flex and how quickly can you adapt? And I think being a cop, having to, you know, in the, in the second or protect somebody or being a combat pilot, you know, in it, I have been trained to assess a situation in a microsecond sure. and make a decision. Right. And that absolutely, absolutely. And that absolutely came into play. Wow. And then you Here. went from the 136 to seven figures. It had to be just within a few years. Four years. Four years, yeah. So Three fast, years of that first year, four years in business, yeah. So so what do you attribute that? That's rocket ship-like in the speaking business. Nobody does that hardly, unless you're a celebrity, right? Yeah. So how right. did you do it? Right. What, what was behind it? Honestly, it was, and I know people might roll their eyes at this, but it's what made me me, coaching. I was, and I didn't start out trying to get coaching because I, I didn't even know that world, right? My dad wanted me to take um, Franklin Covey time management class okay. for three and a half hours and, and get the little binder and everything. He's like, you need to really learn how to manage your time. And I was like, all right, dad. Because like, he used to work for Simon & Schuster, top salesman in the nation, all this okay. stuff. Okay, wow. This is my other dad, my other dad. Okay. And I looked up the class and I said, all right, $299 for three hours? You got to be kidding. That is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all perspective. Right, it's it? all perspective, it all right? Perspective, and the yeah, very first yeah. coaching that I ended up investing in was $10,000 Wow! for two and a half days okay. with this woman in Texas. And again, I was still, this is after that conference, but I was still behind. Right. And of course, because I still wasn't generating the money yet. And I said to her, I was like, well, I can't pay you the 10 k but... Can I pay you $1,000 a month and I'll speak? Even if I have to speak for $250 a keynote and four times, I'm, I'm going to make sure I pay you. Right. right. So I did that training. Then I went to the Bill Gove Speech Workshop. Then I did something else. And through, I mean, I had a friend that was sitting on the front row. I was speaking for um, Department of Veteran Affairs headquarters, downtown okay. D.C., two days after going through the speech workshop. Oh, wow. And my friend was like, oh, my God, I've seen you speak I don't know how many times, and today I knew the stories, I knew what you were gonna say, but I was on the edge of my seat. Mm. It was complete. So it transformed my, and you know, it's about that edutainment. How are you speaking to draw people when they feel energized, the oohs, the ahs, the, you know, the surprises, the crying, all the roller coaster right. of emotions. It completely transformed how I performed on stage. Uh, I remember you should take your flight suit off. I still do that. You, oh, you still do that? Sometimes. Okay, sometimes. Okay. I've tried, so this is I was like. I should say a, you take your clothes off. Right. But I <laughs> think that would be politically correct. But no, you no. should take your suit off. Guys would come up and say, my favorite part is when you strip on stage. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, I did not strip. <laughs> not the same thing. Yeah. And that you came still do that. from that. another okay. speaker who was sure. helping me with my stuff. And he's like, do you have an intro video? Do you have your intro? Do you, um, you know, the helicopter and it's coming out and. I was like, no, 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 right? So uh, I didn't want to wear my flight suit, though. I was like, this is corporate America. But right. he told me to wear my flight That's suit, so how do so, I do yeah. this? Right. So I said, well, I'll start out in my flight suit, and then I'll have a business suit on underneath. Right. And that, so I tried it out at a church on a Saturday. Okay. And everybody got a little, like, she's taking her clothes off, right? <laughs> 
And then I, I had on that business suit underneath, and I put on the, the heels, and the, back then I wore heels. Now I got my... Yeah. Right? The cowboy boots, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, We're in Atlanta. Right, now. right. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it, it went over, like, amazingly well. I was like, okay, that's a key. You got something, sure. And, and that's Usually how know with an audience pretty yeah. fast. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So, do you, so would you contribute or attribute your success to mentorship and that type of thing? I always talk about that. Without mentors, oh, what so would So, yeah, let me speak? connect the dots you know I mean? on that. So, that's why I talked about the coaching. Yes, because, again... I didn't teach myself how to be a cop. I went right. to police academy. I right. didn't teach myself how to be a soldier. I didn't teach myself how to be a Marine. I didn't teach myself how to be a pilot, right? I didn't even teach myself how to play golf, which I've got a lot of uh, lessons. Can't say I'm ready for the tour yet, but hey, I can hold my own. There I can hit go. off the white tees with the guys, and as soon as I drive further than them, I got bragging rights for the rest of the day. Shocker. Right? <laughs> Never saw that coming. So yeah, and I knew coaching was a catalyst. So sure. when, and I had a flight instructor, right? That right. when I ran into issues, you know, they, they helped me. You know, we went over the brief, we're in the cockpit, we're doing it together. I said, I need a, I need a coach right. to help me with this stuff. So it was absolutely an investment. Investment is not an expense, an investment that had a return on sure. investment, right? Um, which helped me just blow through faster than trying to figure it out on my own and hit all these minefields. Oh, it takes too long. Try to figure yeah, out the marketing forever. and the, yeah, no. Right. No, I will cheat. If you want to call having a coach cheating, yeah. I will cheat every single time. Right. Michael Jordan had a coach right. till the day he retired. Yeah. That's always the thing I always say when people say, you know, what, what do you think is the number one thing to succeed in anything? I, I say mentorship. Unless Absolutely. you're a, a genius and you can figure Absolutely. it out for yourself, get Absolutely. a mentor, follow the mentor, do what they say, and you'll yeah. succeed. There's one caveat. Women in leadership in corporate America, Harvard Business Review, over 74% of women are mentored but they do not get promoted at the same rate, uh, right? Yeah. So in that case, we also have to have a champion or a sponsor, someone who's willing to bang the table. Right. A position is open. What about Steve? Oh, yeah, Steve, stand-up guy. Blah, blah, blah. What about John? Oh, yeah, John. Da, 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 da. What about Amy? Amy. Anybody know Amy? All right. What about Rob? Oh, yeah, Rob. Da, da, da. Sure, right? yeah, absolutely, so, yeah. Yeah. So how do, you over, how do you recommend that people overcome that? Because even in financial services, obviously, it's still a, a world of discrimination at some level, right? Right, so it's not keep your head down, work hard, and somebody's gonna recognize you. No. You have to create your flight plan, your roadmap, your way forward, know what you want versus just showing up every day. Know what you want, what's your goal, where are you trying to get to? Then you gotta get people on board with you who are your allies, whether they look like you or they don't. And especially the folks who don't that are sitting around the table, you know, get in, make sure you get into the high potential pool. Like, how can you become some of that high potential talent or talent of color? Right, right, for all my women and minorities out there. And again and again and again, and last and, if that's not working, sometimes in order to grow, you got to go. Right. Wow. How can people get in touch with you in terms of maybe learning in your leadership? I know you have a new executive leadership program. That you're, I do. Is that only for women or is it for everyone? Or? So that particular program is only for women. Okay. It's very specific, um, executive women or entrepreneurial women okay. um, who sometimes deal with bouts of lack of confidence or they feel like they have imposter syndrome and sure. you know, they just want to be bold and gutsy and make these decisions, show up with power and courage and like, you know, kill it, right? And you kind of mentor it. them to do that through Absolutely. this program? How does Absolutely. It work? How do you do it? I mean, well, what's the mechanism of it? Is it digital or is it digital and digital group coaching? And after we make it through COVID, things will there will be some in-person retreats. Oh wow! Right? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Because 
not everybody's going to be a cop and be a combat pilot and go through all the training I've gone through. Right, exactly. So how can I transfer that excellence, right? Transference of excellence of everything I've been blessed to go through that I would never wish on anyone else. Yeah, sure. Right. To be able to give the executive summary of, okay, this is how we can do it. Let me show you how. So, you know, getclearwithflygirl.com. Right, that's going to give people a download. And this is for anybody. Can you say it again? So do we get links? Get sure? clear. Get clear with flygirl.com. Get clear with flygirl.com. And what are they going to get? They're going to get an ultimate action guide on making their gutsy move. So okay. again, for any leaders, managers, men, women, you want to share it with your team. You want to have take talking points out of it once a week to you know have a, a leadership conversation on how are we acting as a team, how are you as an individual, how are we moving forward. And um, we'll also be able to be in contact through that download. You give me your information, and we go from there. And you also have books. I do. Tell, tell us about your books. So you talk, talked Please. about the breakthrough, and like I went from like zero to sixty. Well, right. the name of the zero book to breakthrough, right? is zero I to remember, breakthrough. I remember. <laughs> yeah, it's a good book too. I remember when it came yep. out. Yeah. The seven-step battle-tested method. Okay. For accomplishing goals that matter, and that's available anywhere. Amazon, Amazon Barnes and Nobles. Yeah. Okay. And great. I'm working on my next book. Okay. I'm excited. The Gutsy Move. The Gutsy Move. Right. So that'll be, again, for everyone. And that's like the mom who wants to get back in the uh, market or the, the guy who wants to become the CEO or the other individual who wants to do the startup or the IPO or, you know, whatever. Sure. But it's that gutsy move that when I look at those, when I think about those blockbuster executives way back in the day when they were deciding whether or not to buy Netflix. Yeah, right. <laughs> and Super it's called up. Over the Horizon for a reason. You yeah. can't exactly see it. But... You know, if I were to go back today and ask them when the time comes, when you're defining digital moment, I do a lot in technology for CIOs, when you're defining digital moment is here, are you going to be willing to go for it, right? And all of them would say, yeah, 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 absolutely. But it's not, are you willing? Will you? Right. And, you're, and, you're, and talk about some of your corporate clients, because you work for everybody. I know you're, you're right. everywhere. Oh, who's, man, not like, a, who's not a client? J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, Walmart, right. um, You're Chase, uh, Capital One, a lot of financial industry, um, a lot of retail, right. um, health insurance, a lot of health care, right? Because right. there are some through lines. Gutsy, bold leadership. Acknowledge the obstacle and don't give them power. Find the solution. Focus on success, right? Breakthrough mentality. Refusing to settle. No matter what is in the way, right? Refusing to settle, even in the smallest of moments, and demanding the breakthrough. Right. Right. So, um, and you have permission to engage. Before I could release that missile when I was in combat, that ground controller would say, You have permission to engage. Well, here at home, there are no ground controllers in life. You, Steve, are your ground controller. You don't give yourself permission. Who will, Who right? Will. Yeah. That's well, right. I've met a number, as you know, a number of your personal individual clients over the years, and they oh, right. love you. I mean, you are <laughs> you are the bomb to them. Who doesn't and, want raving fans? Well, you're, right? you know, you're not fans, champions. Well, there's a lot people of people that talk, team. as you know, and we know a yeah. lot of speakers together. We probably know God knows how many right. thousands of speakers, but you're you're the real deal, and that's why I wanted oh, you on thanks. the show because you're you're an inspiration. And, uh, and you, the things you have done have just been unbelievable. And uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show, Vernice. Hey, it's always absolutely. great to see you. Yeah, All right, Steve. Yeah, and, and check out Vernice's programs. I, I personally will vouch for these programs. I've met so many of her clients. And uh, she's the best of the best, as you can tell. She, she, she not only talks about this and knows what she's talking about, but she's lived it her whole life. 
and it says something very special. So again, thanks for being on the show. Absolutely, thank you. It's been an honor to be here. So hey, stay gutsy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Now, Wealthwave's official podcast. If you like this episode and want to hear more, check out wealthwave.com slash podcast or Leadership Now on iTunes. Join us each week to grow as an entrepreneur and succeed as a leader in the financial business with Wealthwave.